0: Hey guys, um, today on the podcast, we introduce uh, Tony and Doug, and we discussed how to establish a baseline um, calorie goal if you're trying to lose weight, um, and then some tips on how to get into what we call a calorie deficit to promote weight loss, and we also chat about the top three mistakes you're probably making at the grocery store, um, and some tools and tips to um, make sure you set yourself up for success when you're shopping for groceries. Uh, thanks for tuning in and...
1: Hey guys, it's Tony here with uh, CrossFit Mountain Island. We are doing a podcast on nutrition today, and we have our uh, full-time nutrition coach with us, Doug. Um, And so we're gonna talk about a few things, especially if you are new to nutrition or you're on your nutrition journey, maybe you feel like you've um, hit a wall, we're here to give you some tips, and we really just wanna chat with Doug. Um, Cody's here too. but just about ways that you can make your nutrition journey your own um, and make it a little bit easier for you to see results. Um, but first I want to start off with some introductions. Um, I'm Tony. I have been at CrossFit Mountain Island for about a month now. Um, I was born and raised in Florida. I grew up in Tampa and my fitness and nutrition journey has gone through a lot of ups and downs. Um, through growing up I played a lot of sports. Um, I dabbled in a little bit of everything, I danced competitively, Uh, I ran track and field, I played volleyball, played high school soccer um, for a few years out of time, nothing that was ever something that I wanted to stick with. Um, And so with that, when I was training, you know, I felt good, I was eating good. When I wasn't training, I wasn't doing anything and I wasn't eating good. Um, And that trend kind of continued to when I went to college. I was at the University of Central Florida. Um, and I did not want to gain the freshman 15. So I had some friends, they were pretty active, they had a garage gym, um, and so I decided one day to work out with them. It was my first introduction to CrossFit, and the workout was bench press. (laughs) I've never bench pressed before in my life, and uh, that first rep with the barbell was very humbling. Um, and then after that, we did a circuit. We ran around you know, the cul-de-sac of their house and then did some body weight movements like air squats and push-ups. And it was incredibly difficult. And uh, so that was my first taste of CrossFit. And so after that, I decided uh, I wanted to make it a habit. And so I started lifting, learning how to squat, how to deadlift, how to clean, how to snatch. Um, I liked the lifts more than I liked the Metcon Good. portions. Um, but those came slowly. So after I felt pretty comfortable with all the movements and started doing Metcons, I then joined a gym in Orlando. Um, I bounced around a few different gyms, and about three years later, here I am in Charlotte. Um, I got my L1 in October, um, and I've been c- coaching for about a year and a half now, and I love it. I love seeing people um, start somewhere and then reach their goals as they progress on their fitness journey, so that's the biggest thing that motivates me kind of what keeps me going and why I enjoy coaching so much is the people that I get to to coach and see really um, succeed and improve because that's what it's all about so that's a little bit about myself we have Doug here um, Doug tell us about yourself
2: um, alright so I'm originally from New Jersey uh, born and raised mm-hmm. so I was there for about 21 years before I moved down here to North Carolina um, in terms of like my health and fitness journey um, my parents made me do every single sport when I was a kid, and I was horrible at all of them. Uh, I was not an athletic kid, couldn't throw a ball, um, but my passion was actually started with martial arts. I did martial arts for kind of like about, say, 11 years. Then when I was a junior in high school, that's actually when I started to lift weights. Um, biggest thing is, you know, I was real small and people kept picking on me, so, you know, what better solution to then get a little bit bigger? um and then i have been you know in the health and fitness field since uh, when i went to college that's where i decided to actually uh major in exercise science so i have my bachelor's degree in exercise science and then that's where i kind of made it into a full-time career getting my personal training certification uh, and then expanding my knowledge base to a little bit more nutrition and that's where i got my precision nutrition level one and my level two um, And I have competed in men's physique um, and then just have kind of worked in different settings uh, commercial gym private studio only and now in a crossfit setting as well Um, so my experience kind of is all over the place Um, primarily you know I enjoy working with people who want to lose weight and gain muscle Um, those are just my my two main main areas and then, in terms of some hobbies, I'm a huge comic book fan, so, if I'm not working out, probably doing something comic book related so for
1: people who don't know what is men's physique
2: Men's physique is um honestly, it's like a beauty pageant you know? <laughs> like let's be honest um but it you know it's kind of similar to the bodybuilding competitions that you may see or hear about it's just typically people are a little bit smaller um they're not as you know uh large as uh people who do bodybuilding um so yeah i did that once back in like 2013
1: cool Very cool, cool. yeah so we just wanted to start with um you know if you're newer to to your nutrition journey or maybe you feel like you're stuck um some helpful and practical ways to kind of get you over that hump again or to get you started, um, on a nutrition journey that will last, um, and is more of a lifestyle change rather than a diet or a fad, um, or something that comes and goes. So with that being said, um, Doug or Cody, you guys can answer this how you want, but say I'm new, new to nutrition, all right? Um, like where do I start? How much should I be eating? What would you guys, what are some, you know, helpful things to... If that's someone's question.
2: Yeah. So normally I like to start um, people with just logging their food, not necessarily like using an app, um, literally just writing it down in a journal. And this to me will help kind of bring awareness to kind of like what you have on a day to day basis. Um, And, you know, most of the time you'll see like, oh, I eat out almost every single day. Uh, and compared to preparing your food or maybe using like a food prep service, um, so most of the time it's just about bringing awareness and seeing what you're kind of currently having, um, and then tracking can you know come in uh, come into play in the, in the beginning to kind of see um, how much you're consuming on a day-to-day basis. Um, certain apps, you know, like MyFitnessPal, does a pretty good job of like kind of gauging where you're at in the beginning, um, but. Sometimes we don't record every little thing that we eat, so sometimes the calculations can be off there. Um, But it kind of gives a good uh, basis of where you're at currently and then how to make adjustments from there. My fitness bell, right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, I'm trying to think about, like, if I were to try to help someone figure out the way to have an exact number. I think that there's, like, a – and all this stuff is really general. So, like, if you're – just Trying to get started, like, kind of get your feet wet. These are just some tips. Um, your best bet, from my point of view, is to get you know in front of a professional or to um, use like an in body machine to take like um, a scan to find your base metabolic rate, and then from there, you kind of factor in activity. But a general rule of thumb from what I've learned is you can take your body weight, and again, this isn't everyone, this is a general rule, but your body weight um, multiply your body weight times about 10, and that gives you like relatively close to a BMR, it's not spot on, and that's not gonna be the case if you're like, body fat percentage is super high. So let's say if I'm like a 200 pound man, and I wanna start off to find my BMR, I can multiply my body weight times 10, that would give me 2,000, and then from there, if you are moderately to very active, you can multiply it times um, that by one and a half, so you'll get about about 3,000 calories if you're very active. Um, Whereas if you're pretty sedentary, Um, You don't want to really add any calories to that. And if your goal is to lose weight, again, general rule of thumb could be to subtract
2: anywhere from, like, I wouldn't go more than 500 calories. Yeah, usually I say start around 250 and then subtract um, a little bit from there. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, that should put you in a little bit of a calorie deficit, and you should start seeing results normally after, like, Two, three weeks, if you haven't noticed any change, that's what I'd say bump it up another yep. 100 calories or two. Yep. Um, and yeah, definitely work up to like 500.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that, that's that way you're not overdoing it and you're not going to be like, you know, getting into like a, a dangerously low caloric deficit because that can wreak havoc on your hormones and mm-hmm. your sleep. Um, that's not something to trifle with. Um, but a good little rule of thumb would be like if you're at about, a, if you're averaging about a 500 calorie deficit per day, you can lose about a pound um, per week as a general rule of thumb um, when it can get extreme by going to a thousand calorie deficit a day and then you're losing about two pounds a week um, but what most people don't take into account is that you want to you can create that deficit in multiple ways you shouldn't necessarily be starving yourself or cutting your calories really low and by not eating but you could introduce activity to boost up your daily caloric expenditure and that's going to actually put you in a bigger deficit so you don't have to like really starve starve your um, your food intake for example like Doug said if I cut out 250 calories which isn't that much it's like that's a pretty small amount of food um, and then I introduce 30 minutes of exercise or even like 15 minutes so it could be maybe it's like a 10 minute workout in your, in your living room with like burpees and push ups and squats you could burn another couple hundred calories and get yourself into that like sweet spot of 500 calories a day and so that's about a pound a week um, that's that paired with like food logging, MyFitnessPal, um, is a good place to start. From my experience, MyFitnessPal tends to skew the macros pretty poorly. Um, I wouldn't use their macro recommendation. Last time I checked, mm-hmm. um, but it's a good tool. Well,
2: cool. yeah, typically you want kind of a good balance between you know your proteins, your fats, and carbs in the beginning. So like anywhere between like 35 percent protein, about thirty percent. Carbs 30-35% um, fats, just to have a nice little baseline. Yep. Um, and again, this is kind of like baseline recommendations. Everyone's going to respond a little bit differently, and so you can kind of adjust from there. But you know, in terms of like a you know standard like 2,000 calorie diet, like you sure. just said, mm-hmm. if you want to break down the macronutrients, which is your proteins, your fats, and your carbs, typically you can start out at a, a balance between them and then kind of adjust from there.
0: You yeah, know, across the what we'd like 40, 30, 30. It's like 40% carb, 30% protein, 30% fat. Mm-hmm. It's a place to start. It's not always the case. Mm-hmm. Um, it varies based on your goals and your activity level and your body percentage, your muscle mass, but that's like a uh, definitely a good rule of thumb. And that's assuming you're active. Mm-hmm. If you're not active and you're very sedentary, you may want to reassess those carbohydrates. Um, but
2: yeah, it it's always got to go based off how you're feeling, um, yeah. how you're sleeping. Your energy levels throughout the day, energy work um, during your workout, um, and then, you know, you can kind of play with some of those numbers a little bit. Yeah.
1: Cool. So let's kind of backtrack a little bit. Um, You mentioned the BMR, so the basal Mm. metabolic rate. Let's kind of go into that a little bit maybe, um, explain what it is, why it's important, and um, how that number can go up um, for people so that, you know, they can eat more eventually. So. so
2: that that's your metabolism yeah so basically it's similar to how many calories you burn at rest throughout the day doing absolutely nothing so if you were to sit on the couch you know all day long and you know we'll just keep it at that 2,000 um, if your basal metal bulk rates are at 2,000 calories you know to maintain your weight you can consume 2,000 calories um, then if you want to put on you know a little bit of weight you would consume more than that if you want to lose weight That's where you can put yourself in a calorie deficit, like we said before, between um, nutrition and exercise. Um, So it is a little bit of multiple ways you can adjust that. Um, As you start putting on a little bit more muscle, most of the time, um, that actually will lead to a greater calorie expenditure throughout the day. So more muscle you have, usually that basal metabolic rate can increase, um, just like you were saying. So you can eat a little bit more, um, but it kind of depends on your goals a little bit too.
0: So for all you dads and moms out there that complain that your kids have fast metabolisms and yours <laughs> slowed down because you hit forty, not because you hit forty, it's because you stopped exercising, and lifting weights, and you lost muscle mass, and your med- and your base metabolic rate went down. Um, and you can actually rebuild your metabolism by introducing resistance training into your routine, um, mm-hmm.
2: like lifting weights. So. But at the, also, when it comes to like your your metabolic rate. Your age can play a little bit of a factor into it. Your height, your weight, like muscle mass, like we said. Genetics, hormones. So there's actually you know, a little bit more that can mm-hmm. go into, into that specific number.
1: Cool. Yeah, so to recap, you wanna create a good baseline, right? So you wanna kinda know what you're eating and how much you're eating first. Um, and then once you kinda have that baseline, you wanna look at your activity level, um, you want to look at how much you weigh, and you kind of want to find that basal metabolic rate or just how fast or how much your meta- how many calories your metabolism burns. And then from there, depending on what your goal is, whether you want to lose weight, you would adjust that for a deficit, um, and you'd be at a deficit for calories. And then once that adds up, that results in weight loss. If you want to put on muscle mass, you would increase the amount of calories you're taking in so you can't add muscle mass um, yeah. Um, through your body, pretty much. Absolutely, yeah. Cool. All right, so then let's make this practical. So now we kind of know um, what to eat. You guys touched you know, on the proteins, the fats, and the carbs. Um, let's make it practical. So say I know all this now, and I'm going to the grocery store, right? Um, what are some good tips or hacks or tricks um, that you found that would help someone – who has their goals in mind, buy groceries.
2: Mm-hmm. So you might have heard of this one before, is shop the perimeter of the grocery store. That's typically where you produce, so your fruits and veggies are gonna be. Um, your meats, your dairy, your seafood. Um, so, that, so when you shop the perimeter, pretty much you know the big bulk of like the whole foods is typically on the outside of the store, um, and that's where you wanna be kind of focusing. Um, and then, kind of going through the aisles for you know a few other things, but typically, majority of foods can be found on the outside.
0: So, what are like mm-hmm. what, what if you go down an aisle? What are you shopping for? Like what what are the specific things that you're buying on aisles?
2: So, I mean, that can be where you know your rices, your beans, you know lentils, certain condiments, oils, nut butters, um, nuts and seeds. Um, so a little bit some of like your healthy fats, other carbohydrates um is where you kind of be shopping for
0: but that's all you really buy on the house yeah. yeah yeah cool.
2: seasoning you know some seasoning for you food um would also be included um in terms of like yeah your food
0: yep so like um if you imagine walking to the store you cut it right and you've got all the vegetables um, all the fruits you walk down the right wall there's probably some kind of like food preparation station, like for subs. And then there's mm-hmm. like uh, deli meats, mm-hmm. maybe a bakery. I usually skip the bakery, <laughs> um, but I'm gonna walk down then to the, like the meat and um, fish section and, you know, grab some chicken, some beef and some turkey or some fish. And then I'll continue along, you know, get my breakfast foods like my eggs, my bacon, um, yeah. see, like deli meats, get down to the dairy section. I personally get almond, like almond milk. Um, mm-hmm. I'll buy unsweetened vanilla. On milk, because there's no sugar added to it. Um, I use that for you know a, a replacement for milk. Um, egg whites usually around there, mm-hmm. and then I'll cut around. And I I I use a, like a Greek yogurt, like casein for for my casein protein. So mm-hmm. I'll get like a Greek yogurt, like <clears throat> um, a zero fat Greek yogurt. It's got a lot of protein in that. Um, and then sometimes I might get like a, those um, English muffins. If I'm if I'm gonna get bread, I'll get that's what I'll get. Mm-hmm. Um, not because it's healthier, just because <laughs> you I like want. the taste of it. This is good. Like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> We're not we're not like robots. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then honestly, like like Doug said, the aisles. I'm getting like some beans sometimes. Um, I'll get rice on occasion. Mm-hmm. I'll get like my hot sauce, um, like oils for salads, uh, coffee, seasonings, filters, nuts. But that's it. Yeah.
1: So out of uh, Let's talk about meats, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different meats. You know, we see 80 20, 90 10. Like when it comes to ground beef, um, a lot of people, you know, like ground turkey. In your opinion, what are some meats that will give you the most bang for your buck? Maybe not in the price that you pay for it, but in what it does in, ter- in, in terms of the macros yeah. that it has in it or so,
2: the nutrients. Typically, when it comes to meat, if you see like 80/20, so 80 80%, percent, you know, lean protein, 20 percent fat. Fat just typically is the most calorie dense out of all the macronutrients, so it's very easy um, to kind of, I don't want to say like overeat, but definitely get a lot of bulk of your calories from fats. Um, almonds, if you ever look at that, it's like the serving size. You know, it's like 18 almonds, and it can be anywhere between like 2 and 300 calories. Um, I don't know the exact; it's usually sure, roughly it's between lot. there. Um, but you know so you can imagine that too same thing with like your meat if you look at 80-20 um, there might be like 18-19 grams of protein but you know the the fat's pretty high up there as well it's usually like 20-18 like
0: 18 grams protein 20 yeah. grams fat yeah. a couple grams more
2: yeah yeah um, so that's where you know typically getting the leaner meats is going to be a little bit better um, and so in terms of like ground meat but I personally just like I like filets more than I like you know ground ground sure. meat. Like but yeah. uh, I'm just picky. Um but it can also be pricey. So okay, for sure. um but
0: yeah. What would you choose? Like what do you if you need, like a ground meat what would you get?
2: Honestly I would actually go for bison. Yeah. Um believe it or not. Bison's actually gonna be ninety um, percent lean, ten percent fat. I also think it tastes a little bit better than okay. like traditional ground beef. Um cool. not a huge fan of ground turkey. So usually actually my my go to is actually bison. Um, believe it or not but I'm a little biased I love red meat so I would rather eat red meat over chicken Um, but you know chicken would be a better option if you're going for leanness Um, there's typically is not a lot of fat when it comes to comes to like chicken like poultry so like Mm -hmm. chicken turkey Um, but I I just typically like red meat a little bit more
0: Yep. so like um, usually if I'm buying like any meat besides the chicken, like I'm getting ground beef or ground turkey, I'm going to go like 90-10, mm-hmm. like 90% lean, 10% fat because tiger protein, lower in fat, and because it's lower in fat, it's less in calories, so I can have more of it without blowing my fat intake. Yep. Um, and then, definitely, I definitely like cuts of like um, filet and steak if I'm going to get red meat. Uh whole of fish, I tend to go for like wild-caught fish just mm-hmm. because the idea of something that came out of a farm that, that was, lives in the water just grosses me out, like just looking into that stuff it's pretty sketchy yeah. uh, and then I recently read about the red meats and then chicken even eggs um farm raised like um and but meal fed like in like the like the big like kind of farms really that they're all in stalls like those m- protein sources are actually higher in omega 6s mm-hmm. whereas like free range grass fed organic um, sourced meat is higher in omega 3s and that is actually one of the um a big correlate to a lot of like metabolic disease and like yeah. heart like disease hypertension, and hypertension, high blood pressure. Yeah, yeah. They say like it's supposed to be like a two to one ratio of omega six to omega three, but it's actually nowadays like twenty to one. Yeah. Yep. Because how much omega six? Because uh, how, how much omega six we get from um
1: our diets? Our
0: diets from like know, yeah, poorly sourced meat. Yep. Poorly sourced like eggs, and then um what was the, um trans fats from like from different sea like um. Different, different like seed oils. Yeah.
1: yeah. So let's dive into that for a second. So we're shopping the perimeters, right? We want to take into account when we're buying our meat, right? We want them from good sources, um, grass-fed, pasture-raised, organic. Um, Cody talked about the omega-6s and the omega-3s. Really briefly, let's kind of explain what the omega-6 and the omega-3 is and kind of what they cause in the body and why that's an important thing to know when we're buying our meat from the store yeah
2: so omega-3s are um, pretty much your essential fatty acids Um, can be found in a wide variety of different things but they're naturally actually it's like a natural anti inflammatory Um, while my omega-6s typically can be pro-inflammatory so they can cause inflammation in the body a little bit Um, and and like Cody was right nowadays our, our ratio is kind of out of control when it comes to 3, three to 6 um, typically it's like 20 to 1 in terms of 6 to 3 um, when you know way back when we were in like our caveman days it was typically just a 1 to 1 ratio so it was a lot more balanced um, and you know omega 3's can help in terms of like joint issues, inflammation, heart health, brain health um, they kind of have like a number of different different health benefits that's why you want to be incorporating um omega-3s you know within your diet there's
0: there's research pointing out that like even omega-3 supplementing with like fish oil capsules is um making big changes for like like rheumatoid arthritis um, Mm -hmm. like chronic arthritis pain um, high blood pressure
2: yeah um good note on that if you are supplementing with like omega-3 fish oil um you actually want to do a little bit more than what the recommended dosage says. So typically it says like take one one capsule like you know twice a day. Typically, usually it should have about a thousand milligrams or about one gram of the omega three. Um, but if you only take it twice a day, you're actually not getting a full benefit. You actually can have anywhere between three and nine grams, depending on um, again like performance needs and also in terms of like rheumatoid arthritis. arthritis. Um, you would require a little bit more for the benefits that you're seeking.
0: Yeah, I'd say min- minimum three grams is what you want to see in yeah. adaptation, right, change?
2: Mm-hmm. And then most of the time, like, if you don't see a huge huge change, mm-hmm. you can increase it from there. But I always recommend at least three to four, um, usually a day.
1: Cool. cool. Yeah, so we shop the perimeters. Um, as we're shopping the perimeters, we want to take into account what type of meat we're buying and the quality of the meat that's being produced. That's a great you know um tip for people what else when it comes to shopping in the grocery store what are some other tips yeah. that you have well
2: a little a little like backtracking what you just said when it comes to like meat um I just I remember probably like a year ago uh me and my fiance we went into like whole foods and you know the whole topic of like conventional versus organic um, honestly, it just you could see the difference. Um, so when we were looking at beef, if you look at the conventional, it's typically a little bit more white, so it has a little bit more fat in it. It's actually a little bit darker, has more of like a darker tint compared to organic, which typically has less of the white, um, the fat in it. Um, and it's usually more vibrant, more red. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can literally just see the difference before you actually, like, you know, purchase it. Yeah um and then I'd, i think it actually just tastes better like i feel like yeah. I, it has more of a taste mm-hmm. um and when it comes to organic versus conventional um but that can be a whole other topic for another day
1: yeah and i would say the same with salmon too farm-raised and you know it just wild-caught like, it's yeah. a much darker the wild-caught
2: and, and darker it's, is better right? yeah
1: darker yeah
2: so the yeah the wild-caught is usually darker yeah. compared to the farm raised. it's like more yellowy and also they're like double the size Yep. Um, usually the fillets, like if you get a salmon fillet, it's usually double the size of what a wild caught yep. salmon would actually be. Yep. Because it's, it's pumped up full of <laughs> the good stuff. Full,
0: yep. full of crap. <laughs> There's a, I kind of want to like open this can of worms on like like reading labels. Okay. Like kind of mm-hmm. simplifying it maybe a little bit, and like I'm thinking through it, and I would say like a general rule of thumb is like if if you're not doing this now, you're making a mistake, but for one thing, like if it has a label, you should be reading it because I mean vegetables, you know. Granted, meat will have a label, um, but most things that you should be buying, like fruits and vegetables, don't have labels, right? Um, but if it does have a label and you're looking at the back, there's going to be three big components. I know Doug can speak to the ingredient list because that's like I know you've mentioned it before. But one thing would be um, looking at the macros, so like the protein, carbs, and fat. It'll tell you like you know protein amount in grams, and then the percent daily value, carbohydrates, and fat. I would say that if it's high in fat and carbs, and low in protein, you shouldn't buy it. I can't think of anything that would like break that paradigm. Like if it's high in fat and protein, it's probably depending on what it is. It's like nuts. Like that's okay. Mm-hmm. If it's like if it's high in carbs instead of a box, I can't think of anything I would. Want to buy? That's gonna well, except rice.
2: Yeah. Well, normally, if you're going for more whole foods, you're right. You shouldn't have to worry about that. It's most of the time. If once you're getting to the processed foods, that's where you would actually have to be a little bit more conscious, because you know, you're right. Most processed foods do come with um, a label. Because also, like when you get, you know, meat from like the butcher shop, there's not really a label on Mm -hmm. it. Um, But if you know you get meat out uh, the freezer section. Yeah, then yeah. there's usually a, there's a little bit of a label
0: on it. Yeah, I was say because I'm thinking about like the average person that like we talk to for nutrition and like the Doug works with and like I'm willing to bet that if anybody is listening to this and they actually take his advice and track their food via like a journal or MyFitnessPal, I bet that when you track it and before you make any changes, I would be willing to put money on the fact that your diet's probably high in carbs, high in fat, and uh-huh. low in protein. And that's probably because the things you're buying are high in carbs, high in fat, and low in protein. So, I mean, when you look at things like keto, like keto's really popular right now, but I mean, keto's high protein, high fat, low carb. Like it's, it's got a lot of fat, has a lot of carbs, but doesn't have, I mean, it has a lot of fat, has a lot of protein, but not a lot of carbs. And then inversely, like when athletes are training to be competitive athletes, like they're generally eating a high protein, high carb, moderately low fat diet, and those are people that are seeing weight loss and like pretty good body composition mm-hmm. changes. So it's something to consider when you're, if you're buying something that's processed, like just
2: read the label. Read the label. Yeah.
0: Um, What's your tip on ingredients? Cause you have like a thing on that, right? Yeah.
2: So typically if you're reading the ingredient list, um, two things you should look for. A, you should be able to pronounce everything. Hmm. And then B, you should know what everything is. Um, if you can't pronounce it, most likely you don't know what it is. Uh, and probably shouldn't even be in there uh, most of the time it can be an artificial ingredient artificial sweetener a filler um, Just you know something that probably shouldn't be in there. Yeah
1: yeah, and I even know a lot of like the brands that would label themselves like organic, organic
2: or, or free.
0: <laughs> or <gluten-free. laughs> yeah. You
1: know if you look at the the ingredient list there's like gums or you know different things like that like What are what are your thoughts on those?
2: Um again, it's just kind of those whole foods probably would be a little bit better mm-hmm. in terms of like if it like a protein bar or something that you need to kind of like supplement with. Um, just again, usually ten ingredients or less. make sure you know everything that's on it. Um, some of the gums um, and sweeteners in it, small amounts, you know, if it's not something that you consume every single day probably is not going to be a big deal. It's typically if you're having processed foods, again, multiple meals throughout the day, that has a lot of artificial ingredients and stuff like that, that's where it can be a little bit of that gray area.
0: Yeah, I mean, because a lot of people I'll see, like most people I know, that aren't of the whole food mindset, like they talk about using artificial sweeteners, and there's like, there's evidence coming out now that talks about how the brain Anticipates the sweetness from the food you're about to eat, and like the digestive process and the insulin res- response process starts before you even consume it. It's it in your body. So like, if you're coming up, you know, it's your life, and you know, like, I'm gonna have some sweet tea and it's got sugar in it, or I'm gonna have a soda and it's got sugar in it, or I'm gonna have some like dessert and it's got sugar in it. Your body knows what's happening, so it starts to adjust your blood sugar in anticipation of that consumption of that food. And that's, like, your body trying to, like, protect itself, right? The, the adjustment of your insulin levels. But then when you start replacing sugar with fake sugar and you're still having the anticipation of eating sugar and sweetness, your body starts to have that response, but then it, it doesn't get a blood sugar spike from sugar. Mm-hmm. So then your body actually starts producing more insulin when it's not necessary and it's leading to all this, like, insulin sensitivity. Huh. I mean, and insulin resistance, even. It's, it's interesting, like, concepts. Yeah. But it kind of... Makes sense. So all that being said, like back to what Doug said. I mean, if you're trying to find like cheat codes and workarounds of art- using like fake sugar artificial sweeteners to mask your addiction to soda, like maybe just drink water yeah. and like just start the process.
2: Yeah. As like in the beginning though, you know, if you went from drinking soda and then like, you switched to like Stevia, yeah, Stevia, like, totally. it's got like the natural stevia extract in it. I feel like that would be a great alternative. Yeah. Um in the beginning, like if you still need that, mm-hmm. you know, sweetness taste, that bubbly taste. But you know, like Cody said, eventually, you know, working away to the like, you know, sparkling water or just, you know, water. Sure. Um, just depending on if you can give it up or not. Um, yeah. but also one thing when it comes to like nutrition coaching, what I do is typically tell you to add stuff in, not necessarily take stuff out. Right. Um because most of the time, once you add that stuff in, you're actually no longer hungry or craving the things that you typically were having before. Yeah.
1: So can you give us an example of that? Like what you mean by that?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, normally um, when it comes to, you know, if you're craving like certain sweets, you know, one of the things that we definitely talk about is, you know, maybe adding in more fruit because it has okay. like, still sugar. Um, but uh, most of the time, adding in more fruits, more veggies, more protein, um, can actually kind of solve a lot Keep of the cravings. Keep you fuller longer so mm-hmm. that you don't
1: have the cravings. Yep. Yeah, cool. That's a good tip. And then I know before we were talking about like the end caps in the grocery stores. Um, Can you kind of explain a little bit about how stores set that
2: up? Yeah, so a lot of the end caps are kind of just marketing ploys. Um, I mean, there's like multi million dollar companies that spend a lot of money. Um, to plan out a grocery store to catch your attention so that you can you know purchase you know more unhealthy foods um, and you know like this is just a personal story we were kind of talking about this before but I worked at a marketing research company when I was in high school I was just doing graphic design um, but essentially you know a company would go to them you know um, and let's say they wanted to change the way their product looked. Uh, they would send it to us we would literally build like a digital um, grocery store shelf and then we would kind of test out the the new label um, Then it would be sent down where we had these you know giant printers that could literally print like you know these ten-foot shelves um, And we'd set it up, you know, we would get you know random people to come in We would put special glasses on them that would literally track their eye movements Um and when a tractor eye movements, they were literally looking for whether or not this new updated label would catch your attention more than another, or if they changed the positioning on the shelf, again, would it, you know catch your attention more than another? Uh, and then from that, you know, that data that they gathered, they would either update the label, update the section on the shelf, and kind of take it from there, um, just so you know, you would spend the money on that stuff. Yep. Yeah
0: i say next time you're at the store, just look and see what all items are, like, placed within your easy line of sight, mm-hmm. and then same goes for your kids. Like, if you have kids and you guys are walking around, and you're little, you know, youngins at your knee height, like, guess what's at your knee height? A lot of sugary treats and sugary cereals.
2: Yeah, usually the stuff that's at eye level probably should be staying away, like, uh, in terms mm-hmm. of, like, when we were talking about yeah. going down the aisle, um... Like rice, for example, what's typically at eye level now is all the, you know, minute rices. The mm-hmm. easy rices, yep. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, true. that's That has, you know, a whole bunch of preservatives in it to keep it, you know, fresh longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the, actually, bags of rice or the organic rice or, um, like, you know, quinoa, things like that, they're actually either going to be a little bit above or below. Down there. Yeah, you know, true. Based off the store setup. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just kind of got to be aware of that too. Interesting.
1: Yeah. Cool. So create a baseline of kind of what you're eating, um, what you're putting into your body and how many calories that is. Once you find a good baseline, then you can um, adjust that to your activity level, how much you weigh, kind of what your goals are. Um, And then from there, when you're in the grocery store... You want to shop the perimeters. You want to make sure you're reading the labels. You can pronounce everything. There's few ingredients in it, but the ingredients that are in it are good. Um, And you want to avoid the end caps of the aisles because that's where you can get into trouble.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Cool. Any other things? That's it. Awesome.
0: Cool. Thanks, guys. Thanks.